You are listening to the TN Horror Podcast Network. Horror with a sense of humor. We have had a doozy of a day. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Studios in the basement of my mom's trailer. I'm one of the three hosts, Johnny. We have Jim Jam and Yeti here with us. Jim Jam here. Hey, hey, hey. We're serving up horror all over the land like biscuits and gravy, baby. You know how we do it. Uh, this is going to be a really fun episode, guys. Um, we're going to be talking about <laughs> trying to do a pig, but I <laughs> throat won't let me. It sounded more like a like a Oink, oink, oink. Uh, oink, oink. an asthma attack. <laughs> yeah, asthma attack. <laughs> uh, wow. Um, <laughs> b- but before we get into that, guys, I uh, just want to remind you all that um, Malice is doing a toy drive. It's a haunted attraction in uh, Belfast, Tennessee, 1777 Nick's Road. Be exact on December 14th, 2019, 6 p.m. until whenever. Um, admission is a toy, you know, an unwrapped new toy. Um, if you want to do some axe throwing, bring another toy. Hearse rides, bring another toy. You know, so this will help kids out in, in, in the local area around them. So if you want to go through a haunted house, you didn't have the option or you couldn't go to one, or if you just want to go to another one, you know, one more time in December, Go to Belfast, 1777 Nick's Road, Belfast, Tennessee, and bring a toy and help the kids out. Why not, you know? It's always good. Always. Always good. And for the question... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we get into the question of the week, just so you know, we do have another podcast. If you didn't know, um, this that's why this one's once every two weeks, or bi-weekly, however you want to call it, uh, Beyond the Basement, where we talk about all kinds of crazy stuff. And um, what did we break down? Was it uh, haunts or hauntings? Yeah. We broke down the three different type of hauntings last week. Um, so if you want to go check that out, go check it out, please. And help support us. Share us with all your friends, families, enemies, and your grandmother. Because Yeti really wants to slide in them DMs. But, uh, Tell her I said, hey. Hey. What's up, Granny? He likes when she pops the teeth out. Yeah. For some reason, my microphone is the wires are all unconnected, so it's fucking with me. Uh, but the question of the week this is going to be an easy one, I think, because uh, I didn't think of one because I was reading notes. What was the last horror movie that you have watched? The most recent. And I mean, it doesn't have to, I guess it don't have to be the last one. Just, you know, the last, in the last three or four. We'll go there. It's probably made it even worse. Well, mine yeah, would, I, I go ahead. Go ahead. Well, mine would be uh, forty-seven meters down and caged. Um, Creature uh, feature is that what that would yep. be called? Lionsgate sent it to us for review. There, we're doing a giveaway for that. Yeah, you, you go. We're doing that on the Horror Basement Podcast yeah. page on Instagram. Go follow us. I at never the Horror put Basement uh, Podcast. Uh, end date. Yeah, so I don't know when. But yeah, go follow us on there. Find that picture. Share it with whatever two or three friends, how many ever he put on there, the requirements, and just, you know, help us out. Yeah. And um, you can get that awesome movie. Fuck, I don't know. Did I review that? No. Yeah, yeah. You did? I, say, I thought so. I Maybe. Oh, no, no. I wasn't going to review it. It was uh, uh, Lady LeVay was going to review it. I think she did, right? She might have. Well, go check that out on uh, tnhorror.com. God damn, we are on top of things, y'all. This is what happens when you don't write any notes down for any kind of promotional stuff. <laughs> hey. Make no mistake, the rest of this fucking episode is note heavy. <laughs> Very note heavy. <laughs> I am fucking proud. I'm like, I am, yeah. Yeti's been doing proud work. of this episode. Yeti's been doing a lot of work. Um, Yeti, last movie. Last movie I watched, uh, Dorm of the Dead, written and directed by Donald Farmer. I picked it up from him at... Uh, Rocky Top Horror Show and uh, reviewed it for Rancid Rants. It's a cool fucking movie. I, I, I really liked it. 
Is a uh, Tiffany Shepis is in it. And he's, got a, uh, her... he's, got a, he's got a movie with Tiffany Shepis in it. Oh yeah. Nice. Oh Tiffany Shepis, yeah. In a uh, in a like a long ass lesbian re- uh, 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 makeout session. Does it show her boobies? I believe so. Oh, she gets naked. I didn't know that. Hmm. I think so. I'm, we're supposed to get her on the podcast sometime. Who's this? Tiffany Sheffis. Oh, Tiffany Sheffis, yeah. <laughs> it's so much better with video, ain't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. God damn. <laughs> the the last uh, horror movie I watched, <sighs> or one of the most recent, Ready or Not. Uh, <laughs> Man, I want to see that. You can't. Oh, oh, wait, let me, let me. That might be my last one, too. What'd you watch it? On the thing, Majig. When? The night you got it for me? Yeah, then that is the latest one. Yeah, ready or not. Uh, well, holy hell. I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it yeah, was a good movie. It was, I mean, it was entertaining. It was funny in parts. I mean, of course, it's not the greatest movie ever made, or, you know. It, it had the feel of a Blumhouse to me. Ish, but I mean, it was rated R, so couldn't really oh, be a Blumhouse sure. movie. <laughs> Do they make rated R movies? Like, yeah, Halloween. Oh yeah, <sighs> but I mean that was that wasn't just their movie. That was some. I mean, it was on. a Blumhouse movie. No, but there was another production company. No, it wasn't. Was there another production company, Eddie? Yes. What? It, uh, for uh, Halloween? Ready or not? I don't know. No, for Halloween. Halloween. It was yeah. It was Blumhouse and. Bumhouse don't own the rights of Halloween. Oh, fucking! It don't matter. I guess it don't matter. Uh, yeah. yeah, there there was another there was another studio involved. I just yeah because it was a twenty twenty five million dollar movie. Bumhouse ain't doing that. Yeah, yeah. They would do it for that. Yeah, you're right. But uh, yeah, so ready or not, I really enjoyed the movie. I was entertained, and uh, the, the uh, ending of it, I was just like, oh wow, huh? Didn't actually expect that to happen. <laughs> yeah, you should go watch. Oh, girl, got her damn face just wow. Yeah, yeah. I want to. I mean, it's got some brutal parts in it. So. Shotgun blast to the face, yo. Was it a shotgun? Oh shit! Or some kind of gun to the face. Yeah, it was like an old ass gun and just right in the fucking eye. Musket or some shit. Yeah. And then when the chick got stabbed or shot in the throat with the crossbow, and she's all gurgling over there, they're trying to talk, and she's like, oh, oh damn. And, and it's it, like a medieval fucking crossbow too. Yeah. But the funny part is, is every time they try to talk. She's over there gurgling. She stops. Okay, she's dead. Sound like a walker from Walking Dead. Yeah. So yeah, I like. I enjoyed that film. Some people probably didn't, but I I enjoyed it. But I digress. Um. <laughs> uh, let's get let's move Speaking on. of digressing, check out a Tennessee uh, TN Horror Podcast Network for a. Uh, it's a horror podcast. Yep, they're on there. You can go yeah. check out another awesome horror podcast. Yep. That's where you can also see uh, <laughs> or listen to... Uh, rancid, rancid reviews. And Driver's Tales. The Jim Jam's Driver's Tales. I had a, there's a person at GameStop that listened to that. My Driver's Tales of the... the Is it because you the know The male them? strippers. It's because you know them. Yeah. Okay, that don't it don't matter. matter. It don't fucking matter. It doesn't still count. Listen. They told they told my wife about it tonight. I was like, "You gotta listen to it. It's so funny." Yeah, that's like your mom fucking listening to it. It doesn't fucking count. Yeah, dude. Right, Yeti. No, no. Yeah. No, it that's I don't. I, that's why I like when I when I do stuff. I I don't like to. I don't tell uh, pass. Yeah, I don't like to pass anything off to anybody I'm like super close to. Well, fuck, not, how about fuck both y'all? You're not close <laughs> to this person. I was just joking. Ain't that right? That person said that my uh, driver's tales was funny. Yeah. I just told him it didn't count because you know the person. But okay, anyways. So, uh, yeah, go check them out. And we are going to discuss the sewer killer, Robert Picton. And every time I want to say Pinkerton, Willie, Willie. His name is out. fucking Willie. Robert Willie Pickton. I, I want to say Pinkerton because of uh, the detective agency. Yeah, because of Red Dead Re- uh, Redemption. 
<laughs> I almost said Red Dead Revolver, but that was the original. Y'all ready to get into this uh, piggery? Yes. yes. Let's get into this hog shit. Yeah. There's a lot of hog shit in this. deep in the fucking shit, man. There's a lot of hog shit. Let's get in this fucking sorry ass shitty person. Slathered in hog shit. Okay, go ahead, Yeti. That reminds me of the Christmas story. Okay, go ahead, Yeti. I don't know why Robert Picton, the pig farm killer, isn't more well known. This man is a walking horror movie. He's the most prolific serial killer Canada has ever seen. By his own count, picked and killed 49 women and was caught in 2002. Super recent and super prolific and almost nobody's heard of him. He's starting to get more widespread now, but like up until a few months ago, nothing. I warn you listeners now, it's going to get a little nasty on this episode. With that out of the way, let's dig into the pig shit covered and blood spattered life of old Willie Picton. Willie was a Canadian redneck of the pig farming variety. He was raised on his family's pig farm and regularly went to school smelling just like pig shit. This is because the Picton family were garbage people. They regularly allowed... Oh, they were fucking disgusting. They let full-grown hogs live in the house. They never took their hog slopping boots off. And Willie refused to bathe more than once a month. And even then, he had to be forced. And as a grown man, he wouldn't take a shower. This dirty, shit-covered motherfucker would take baths. Throughout most of the Pickton Brothers' school career, they would uh, slop hogs before school and after. And as they got a little older, the boys would have to come home at lunch to slop hogs before returning to school. Then. And like I said, they never bathed. They always went around smelling like fucking a, a hog pen. As you can imagine, they got picked on a fair amount. Even kids in Canada will bust your chops if you go around smelling like pork ass, I reckon. The filth and bullying combined with his overbearing and probably psychotic mom and neglectful father made some fertile soil from which this criminal insanity could really bloom. I mean, you consider that uh, their parents won't even... Like, have them clean. Imagine how fucked up them they are. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. From what I understand, the mom didn't she have like a goatee and shit? Yeah, she was just fucking no teeth and had a beard. God damn. She, yeah. No teeth, Yeti. Ugh. Oh no, <laughs> bearded lady. Do not want none of that pig shit. Yeah, there are a, a couple good examples of how fucked up Picton's parents really were. I mean, come on. First, let's look at his father. When Picton was about 12 years old, he saved up $35 and went down to a livestock auction and bought a three-week-old calf to raise. Willie loved and cared for that calf. Coming home to spend time with this calf is all Picton had to look forward to. I mean, come on, you know, he's getting picked on at school all day, smelling like shit. So, you know, he wanted to come home and fucking hang out with his cat. Yeah. Well, it's not good enough, you know, because one day Picton came home and couldn't find his calf anywhere. A calf is pretty big, you know. I mean, how in the fuck are you going to lose a calf, right? Yeah. you think it'd be hard to lose a whole calf. Luckily, Willie's dad knew where the calf was hiding. He told Willie to go look in the barn. There he'd find his beloved pet hanging from the rafters of the barn. The one true bright spot in Picton's world had been killed, bled out, and gutted. I mean, that's a fucking shitty dad right there. But, mm-hmm. I mean, how else are you going to raise a fucking kid? He can't be at home fucking take care of his calf. Yeah. He's got to be out there cleaning up pig shit. Yeah. Feeding them fucking pigs. And uh, Willie's mother, Louise, of course, fucking, her name's Louise. <laughs> and she has a beard. Makes sense. Yeah. Was a whole different kind of fucked up. Just a couple years later, while coming home from town, Picton's brother Dave hit a young boy named Tim Barrett with his truck. Instead of contacting the authorities, the elder Picton brother ran home to tell his mother. She flew into action. I mean, she's quick on this shit. They went about wiping the blood off the truck before sending Dave into town to get the dent pulled out. While I handled that, Louise traveled down the road, found the boy, and rolled him into a ditch. This ditch contained about two feet of standing water. What a fucked up bitch. The next morning, when the mechanic that pulled out the um, dent heard about the boy being hit by a car, he reported the work he did to the RCMP. 
According to the coroner's report, the boy drowned in that ditch. His brother was charged with leaving the scene of an accident, and the mother was never investigated. So this is how shitty this fucking woman is. She would later brag about killing the boy and getting away with it. In these two events, his parents taught him that life and happiness were cheap and that it was possible to get away with murder. I mean, that's two fucked up parents, guys. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's just two instances of a life of uh, Pixon's father was never he was kind of a non-issue, like a like almost like a like a non like a negative presence. He would uh, kind of show up and be a dick every now and then. I mean, he lived there, of course, but he was just an asshole. He was he was abusive it, when he was actually paying attention to him. Louise ran that fucking farm with an iron fist. Yeah, so she was just protecting the livelihood. I mean, like, but they're fucking. Yeah. And of course, you know, he couldn't have a calf. I mean, like I said, you can't have anything that you love. It's going to die. Yeah. I think that's what that shows, you know? It's just, they just didn't give a shit. They they were, uh, they they were cheap labor. Yeah. You know? Uh, Now, in the early 70s, Willie started working as an apprentice butcher. By the time he reached his early 20s, he was an excellent butcher. It said that he could handle dozens of animals in one day. I think it was something like 48. By the time he was in his peak as a butcher, 48 carcasses processed a day. He would use skills he learned on the job all throughout his life. In the not-too-distant future, he would hang women by their ankles, bleed them out, and butcher them just like hogs. We'll get more into his crimes in just a few minutes, but first, I want to take a moment to set the scene for y'all. The Picton family moved from one farm to another in Willie's teens. Uh, decades later, this sprawling piece of land would become Canada's biggest crime scene. This was no small family farm. When it was still running legitimately, it housed around 700 hogs and a couple hundred chickens. There were barns, sheds, the Picton home, a slaughterhouse, and a building outfitted with industrial freezers to accommodate the family's second business, meat storage. Even without the butchering of women, this farm was like something out of a gothic horror story. The land was peppered with little plots of quicksand. The back of the property was covered with a foul-smelling bog. After his parents died and passed the farm on to Willie, it would start to look more like a villain's lair. He scattered scrap metal and junk cars all around the property and hauled a single wide trailer to live in himself, which, you know, became covered in pig shit not too long afterwards. Picton even erected a bar on the farm, complete with a stage for live music. In this bar, he would also regularly throw parties that would be attended by Hell's Angels, local police, local government, and sex workers. What was that party called? Oh, man, it was the the Piggy Palace Good Time Society or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Why would fucking government officials hang out with it? Even Nickelback played it. Nickelback played the Piggy Palace... Uh, the reason they would come out there is because uh, Port Coquitlam, where he lives, I don't think I mentioned it in here, it's just outside Vancouver. There's nothing fucking going on, and there's this wild-ass party barn out there, pretty much. It's a big old bar. It's a huge place to party. And uh, even though, like, we're seeing uh, the Picton, Pictons, Dave, like, Dave was a goddamn scumbag himself, and then, and then Willie, we're seeing him as the pig farm killer already. They're millionaires. Yeah, but they're, they're dirty, uh, right? Yeah, they're... They're fucking filthy people, but they're throwing a good party and they have barbecues and you know stuff like that. So like people are coming stink, out. Like they, pro- they probably they bathe stink. though before. No, they do stink. No, no, Willie always fucking stank. Dave was a little. Uh, Dave was a little more of a human being than Willie was, but uh, and he Willie Willie was the weird brother. You know, hey, wasn't there a sister though too that uh kind of got yeah. away from it all? Yeah, when they moved to this new, this larger farm. Uh, the, the youngest of the Picton kids was, uh, I think her name was Alice and she fucked off. She was like 12, she was, uh, like 11 or 12, something like that. And she went to live with family elsewhere and ended up being a successful individual. She was college educated Her children or, you know, doctors and shit. So, I mean, she did really well. This is like the, the Picton farm, especially after Willie took over was just horrifying. And now that you have an image of that killing ground in your mind, Let's talk a little about the hunting ground. Robert Picton was a predator, and he hunted in, in Vancouver's downtown east side. 
The downtown east side sounds like the embodiment of the term skid row. Homelessness, drug use, and prostitution are rampant. To this day, it's not uncommon to see heroin addicts shooting up on the sidewalk, leftover syringe blood on the walls, and sex workers plying their trade openly. This is not just a place filled with homelessness and crime. It's a place that's full of what is known as the lesser dead. The lesser dead are simply put those whose deaths aren't investigated. Minorities, sex workers, homeless peoples, and drug addicts. It was a perfect place for a man with a pocket full of cash and a hard-on for hooker murder to hunt. So many girls left the downtown east side with Picton and never came back that sex workers refused to leave the area with a John, choosing to take them to one of the fleabag motels in the area instead. The transient drug addicts would refuse to go anywhere with a man, period. When this began to happen, he would send one of his close female friends into host roles and homeless shelters in order to lure women back to their Uncle Willie's farm. They would tell the potential victims they could get all the booze and drugs and comfort they could ever want. All they had to do was get in the truck. They would usually find a brutal end. Now the scene is set. What do y'all think so far? Shit's about to get real. Dude, that's fucked up, man. In a whole stroll? Is that what they call mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's strolls, you know. I mean, it's just where the, where the, I mean, because downtown the east side of Vancouver, from everything that I've read and heard about it, is just a hive of fucking villainy. There's just like hookers everywhere, and like, I mean, it's it's just. You'd have to a be horror. really fucking desperate to get into a truck with someone that smelled like shit. Yeah, well, see, what we're gonna get into here in a little bit is a, uh, like. He's offering above market price for pussy. Yeah, because he knows that he stinks. Yeah, he knows that he's fucking gross, and he knows that they're. Uh, and plus, I mean, he's got millions of dollars. He's, he can offer it. Yeah, he's got millions of dollars. It's like he might pay property taxes, but he lives in a trailer. His 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 fucking life is pretty much taken care of. He doesn't have bills, and he's a millionaire. He he and his brother like have several businesses at this point. I mean, they're doing the pig farm. They're do they're still doing. Like meat processing, all kinds of shit. So he's got money to burn. Fucking nuts. I don't know if this is getting ahead or anything, but uh, he thought of himself like he was uh, giving these girls a chance or a last chance or something. Like he was saving them. And if they didn't listen or they didn't, or what if it, they got back on the drugs and he felt the need or like he, they, they should, they're better off dead, right? Yeah, yeah. He was a real fucking missionary killer. I didn't really get into that in the, in the notes, but uh, he was, he, he would uh, take them in like he was saving them. And you'll see, uh, talk a little bit how, like over the holiday season, he usually is where he, he picks up every year. He, he gets more victims between November and January because it's so cold in Canada. And so he thinks he's like double helping him. Yeah. You know, but. You know what would come up? Not fucking killing him. Some coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what. When I wake up here in the horror basement with a raging murder hangover, the only thing that would make me feel better is some good Norwegian black metal, death to false metal, and a strong cup of coffee. I'm one of those people who can't function without caffeine. It doesn't matter if I'm going out with the family to bask in the spooky nature of the great state of Tennessee, or if I'm in my movie cave taking in the latest in indie horror. I have to have that hot, hot nectar of the gods to just mm, pour down my gullet. If you think for a minute that I can make the words go without coffee, you have way too much faith in me. That's why True Cold Coffee is the brand for me. They offer amazing brands like the Mjotelvit, a single origin Nicaraguan roast that is darker than the darkest parts of my soul, the Kofstorm, a premium El Salvadorian medium roast that's as smooth as a sacrificial dagger on a virgin's throat. If you're a fair trade coffee or organic, you can pick up some natural selections. An organic Honduran roast. It's sinfully full-bodied and earthy. It'll wake you up and make you feel good about your choices. I personally prefer the Mjortelvit because I like my coffee like I like my women. Ground up and put in the freezer. Before we go on, I'd like to note that you can buy this whole bean or ground. Great options. Can't make a choice? That's fine. You can order the Unholy Trinity Bundle and get all three varieties. While browsing the site, you can also get mugs, t-shirts, and some damn fine metal albums from all around the globe. Just head on over to www.trvekvltcoffee.com 
slash ref slash Tennessee Horror News for all of your coffee and metal needs. That's right, www.trvekvltcoffee.com slash ref slash Tennessee Horror News because I am in league with Satan, but not before coffee. The first missing woman that is connected to Robert Pickham was Wendy Lewis Allen, who went missing in March of 1979. Let me repeat that for you. Wendy Lewis Allen went missing in March of 19 motherfucking 79. At this time, I would also like to remind y'all that Picton wasn't arrested until 2002. Two more possible early victims were taken in 1983 and early 1984. If Picton's confession is to be believed, there would be 46 more before he was done. The first confirmed victim of Picton's was found in 1995 in a Vancouver swamp. Part of her, anyway. It was actually just half of her skull. Forensic evidence showed that the Jane Doe had been dead for up to two years. The skull itself had been sawed in half, and it still retained some of the flesh. The nose was still intact. This detail led officials to believe that the skull had been in the swamp for less than two weeks. When the Picton farm was finally searched, a rib bone was found that matched the DNA of the skull. In the freezers, they found two more human heads that were sawed in half in the same manner. This is only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the grisly findings down on the farm. We'll get to that later. Hey, what was it they called the uh, the stuff that was on the bones? It was something. Wax. Grave wax. Grave wax. Yeah. Yeah. Grave wax. Yeah, that's grave wax. Is what happens when uh, the fat on the body starts to break down and mix with water? It forms this gross waxy substance over the bone, and. Uh, it takes a while to, to, to happen. That's how they knew that like that and the fact that nothing had eaten the flesh off of it. That's how they, they put together that it had only been in the swamp for, you know, a couple of weeks or whatever. It's fascinating though. I wonder how it even got to the swamp. Uh, well, I was doing some, some digging and, uh, what possibly happened and we'll get to this later too, is he used to take, uh, remains, to a a rendering plant but he wouldn't you can't just leave something that's you know visibly human in there so he probably had that head in one of his fucking buckets yeah yeah. to take to the rendering plant and then thought it was like off buck and just tossed it out that's what i would assume yeah so even with the lack of investigation into these missing women we can piece together picton's mo from a couple eyewitness accounts the first account comes from a woman who managed to escape the clutches of the pig shit sinning madman, <laughs> Sandra Ringwald. She was a sex worker in the downtown east side, of course, and she was in need of money in a big way, like the majority of them. And Picton convinced her to, to come out to the farm with him by offering her a hundred bucks. Even though she was apprehensive, she got in the truck and took the ride out what was by now the Picton compound. Upon entering Willie's disgusting pig shit covered trailer house, I don't see how anybody would go in that motherfucker. Sandra Ooh. noticed a large knife laying on the kitchen table. She didn't think too much of it. It's a knife in a kitchen. No big deal. They went into Willie's bedroom, had sex. God damn. Stinky sex. Yeah, gosh damn. Ugh. She even gave him a head. He probably. Probably, he probably had fucking dick butter. <laughs> Dick butter. And, and he gave her the agreed upon $100. And Sandra asked to use his phone to call her pimp. As she was looking up the number for the hotel they were staying in, because this was before cell phones. Boys yeah. and girls. You had to fucking look up shit in the phone book. Willie came up behind her and slapped a handcuff on her wrist. Willie was expecting easy prey. Sandra was anything but. She fought him off until she could reach the knife on the table. She struck out at Picton and caught his jugular. The next strike slashed into Picton's mouth and managed to cut out some of his teeth and a piece of his jawbone. God damn, that had to hurt. Some men would have been deterred. Willie kept coming. It was at this point that Sandra was overtaken by adrenaline and fought Picton with all her might, blacking out in the process. When she came to, she had made it out of the trailer, but the fight was not over. Picton took the knife from her and stabbed her twice in the gut. These stab wounds were vicious enough that 
Her intestines were beginning to slide out of her abdomen. As Willie became weak from blood loss, Sandra was able to make her way to the main road. She was battered, bloody, trying to hold in her own entrails and in her fear for her life. After beating on the doors of two neighbors' homes with no answer, she was able to flag down a passing car. The couple inside took her to the hospital. Another look into how Picton would dispatch his victims comes from his friend, Andy Bellwood. One night, the two were hanging out, and Picton floated the idea of going downtown and picking up a couple of hookers. I mean, this must have been a regular thing. Just, you know, fuck it. We'll go downtown. Hey, could you imagine just hanging out and be like, hey, uh, you want to get some hookers? Yeah, like, I, no. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> what? He showed Bellwood a pair of handcuffs, a belt, and a piano wire. Grot. Is that how that's pronounced? Garot? Yeah, garot. It's a fucking piano wire with handles on the end of it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. He went on to tell Bellwood how he would fuck the women dog style, bring their hands behind their back, handcuff them, and strangle them with the piano wire. He said he would then take the body out to the barn, bleed it out, and butcher it like a hog. He'd feed the pigs all they would eat, then take the rest to the rendering plant. Look, the last bit would be confirmed by Lynn Ellingson. Lynn was living on the Picton farm, she had become suspicious about Willie and had caught a beating from Dave for asking about it. She let it go and continued staying on the farm. One night in the spring of 99, that's 1999, she was uh, out cruising around with Willie when he said he wanted to pick up a sex worker for the evening. They traveled to the downtown east side until they found a suitable girl. They offered her money and cracked to come along, gladly got into the truck and took the trip out to the farm. There, the woman and Lynn smoked cracked while Picton watched. Shortly after that, he took the sex worker to his room, and Lynn went to her own room to smoke more crack. She lived in that shitty-ass fucking trailer. Yeah, she did. It wasn't long before Lynn heard a noise from the, the barn. She went to investigate and saw the sex worker's corpse hanging from the ceiling. A large steel meat hook was inserted through her ankle, and her throat was cut like a hog. She screamed for Willie, and he grabbed her and made her stand at the end of the slaughtering table while he gutted and butchered the woman from earlier. As he stood there covered in blood, throwing a woman's organs into a slop bucket, he told Lynn that if she spoke a word of what she had seen, she'd be right there on his table. So you know what this bitch did? She stayed quiet. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yep. I mean, don't go to the cops, you know? Yeah. And there's a lot of that. Like Andy Bellwood, he, he could have went to the fucking cops, too. Uh, but I mean, they were fucking connected, like for real. Uh, Picton took all the leavings of his butchering to a rendering plant called West Coast Reduction. That was a stone's throw from his hunting grounds. For those who don't know, a rendering plant is where you take all the assholes, elbows, feathers, and bones from slaughterhouses, as well as cooking grease from restaurants. They cook it all down until the grease separates, and they create things like paint, makeup, and gelatin. Let that sink in. They're making gelatin for candies. They're create. They're doing stuff for cosmetics. They're making paint. And Picton is taking fucking dead hooker pieces out there to have them rendered down with everything else. Yum. Yeah. Yum, yum. What he didn't take to West Coast Reduction was fed to the pigs. Because 16 pigs will go through a body that weighs 200 pounds in about 8 minutes. That means that a single pig can consume two pounds of uncooked flesh every minute. Hence the expression, as greedy as a pig. Okay. You would think... Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, fucking little... I had, I had to work it in, man. I had to work in that Bricktop reference. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you would think that because Picton had a huge piece of land, a fuckload of money, and almost 50 victims under his belt, that he was super smart. Like he was some kind of fucking supervillain. He wasn't, though. In fact, Picton dropped out of high school in freshman year and had struggled academically until then. He was dumb as a sack of pig shit, I guess you could say. The only reason he didn't get caught was that the Vancouver cops were lazy pieces of shit who refused to investigate the missing women in the downtown east side. They were sex workers and drug addicts. The cops just kind of shrugged it off. There were no bodies, so in the minds of the Vancouver police, there was no murders. The VPD had a super cop of their very own, 
He was a highly trained profiler named Kim Rosmo. He specialized in and expanded on the field of geographical profiling, kind of like looking at uh, where your victims are from and plotting out like geographically where the killer may be. You see it all the time on like cop shows and shit, but he kind of, he really, uh, really advanced that field. Not only did they refuse to use him at any time, they actively shit on Rosmo all the time. They would do dumb pranks, like telling him the wrong conference room for a meeting. And then when he like missed the meeting or was late, they would chew him out for it. They went so far as to like walk into his office and just take his fucking court board and walk off with it without saying a word. There's just a bunch of petty shit because he wanted them to like do cop stuff and they wanted to sit around with their thumbs in their asses. They didn't give a fuck about solving any of these murders and it really shows. Rosmo, concerned citizens in the Vancouver Sun were yelling about the fact that there was a serial killer on the loose in the downtown east side for years, and the majority of the VPD actively ignored the living shit out of them. In fact, after 14 women had gone missing in 1997 alone from the downtown east side, a VPD spokesperson got up in front of a crowd in January of 98 and said, quote, there is no indication of a serial killer preying on women. Spoiler alert, fellas. There fucking was. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> and this motherfucker picked up, like, he's like, to kill 14 fucking women, like, you're really... I mean, maybe he didn't kill all 14 of them, but still. The majority of them were his. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, Wasn't there another serial killer? I don't know. There at the were, same time? Uh, uh, there was... Uh, there's evidence that the Green River Killer was active in Vancouver at one point, and... Uh, there was another serial killer who killed three uh, and left their bodies in the woods outside the downtown east side uh, years before. Or, or yeah. like, well, not years, like, years that Picton was hunting, but Picton's hunting was... Yeah, he had 20-something years of hunting. Yeah, yeah. Insane. insane. The Picton boys were millionaires, successful businessmen, and they were connected in the community, as well as with bikers who had no problem intimidating witnesses against Willie or his brother, Dave. In fact, when Sandra Ringwald was taken to the hospital, she told the driver of the car who had fucked her up so bad. The driver told the cops about it as soon as they got to the hospital. The cops went out to investigate, found Picton in the yard in a pool of his own blood. When they questioned him about what had happened, he spun a self-defense yarn. According to him, Sandra tried to rob him at knife point, and he fought her off. They still charged him with attempted murder, and he was acquitted because when it came time for the trial, Ringwald didn't show up because she was so goddamn scared of what would happen to her if she did. Yeah, I imagine so. I mean, that'd be because, like you said, th- th- he was with the Hell's Angels and everything. So, mm-hmm. so there's really nothing she could do. Yeah, they didn't. It was didn't already shut. Get away with shit. Yeah, didn't he have like city officials and people that that would come to his parties? Yeah, yeah. That's what I say. Yeah. It would, oh. would come out there, but I guess, like you said. There wasn't nothing to do, so let's go fucking hang out. Yeah. Eat some fucking pig and some maple syrup. And, they, and a little more. And they, all, they also did, like, fundraisers and shit out there. God. But, like, uh, benefit shows and shit. It's nuts. It is. So, yeah, so um, in 2000, the Mount, Mounties finally decided that the VPD wasn't doing their damn job, you know, because they weren't. I put together a task force to look into the, the obvious serial killer hunting in the downtown east side. This was called Project Even Handed. Ooh, so fucking scary name. And headed by Don Adam. This should have been Project About Fucking Time. Yeah, for real. I mean, come on. <laughs> they took into account all of the reports, including the massive farm, the input of Kim Rosmo, and the Sandra Ringwald attack. So Picton definitely was on the list of suspects. I mean, he had to be, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In January of 2002, the RCMP would get the break that they needed. Scotty Chubb. Oh, Scotty Chubb. 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 (laughs) Chubby Chubb. (laughs) You think they called him Chubbs? He's Chubbs. Anyways, um, an associate of Picton had lost his job and was hard up for cash. Uh, He could have went out on the fucking hole area and sucked some. Never mind. So he decided that he, he could call up the feds and snitch for some cash. He first tried to give them a couple of local Coke dealers, but they were already on the, the Mounties' radar, you know. I mean, 
He then tried to rat out a weed growing operation. They just kind of fucking laughed at him. Then Chubb played his ace in the hole. What would it be, guys? Guns. Yeah, guns. Yeah. There's one thing that will get a federal agent to fucking bite on something. It's illegal, unregistered firearms because no one likes fucking guns. Robert Picton just so happened to have a small armory of illegal weapons. Finally, the authorities had the information they needed to get a search warrant for old Willie and his trailer. The news of this search warrant reached Don Adam, and they went. They set about raiding the house. On February 6, 2002, Don Adam and a handful of other officers kicked in Willie's trailer door, found one of the illegal guns in the laundry room. They arrested that motherfucker on the spot and charged him with possession of prohibited and restricted firearms. After the arrest, Project Even Handed took over the investigation. They found piles of women's clothing. I mean, that's not fucking usual, is it? Several pairs of fuzzy handcuffs. Ooh. A box full of women's jewelry. And the fucking piece de la resistance, as fucking someone would say. A twenty-two pistol with a dildo on the barrel. What, 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 what was it called? What we call it? A dildo? I'm not... A dildo gun? Or what was it? Gundo. 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 Yeah, that's a Gundo. Now, uh, interesting thing, I didn't include it in the notes uh, because I couldn't, I felt like there was a name attached to it, but somewhere in there, there's a DNA link between one of the victims and the DNA found on that dildo. You know, for the old Chubb, you know, instead of trying to rat out this motherfucker, he, you know, probably... You think Willie would have loaned him the money to pay his rent? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Willie would have gave him the money. I think Willie would have killed him. Well, hey, hey Willie, man, I need to I need to pay some rent, man. I ain't got the money. You know. But that gun, though, I mean, that'd leave a fucking mess. Yeah, that's, that's fucking gross. Take, a, take like... a shot to the face from that uh, deal, though, huh? Yeah. <laughs> or a gun, though. My bad, gun, though. You get shot in the face with that, that'd be the ultimate money shot. Dead. Over with. The lead nut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in Picton's office, they found an asthma inhaler with the name Serena Abbotsway on it. Um, this was the name of one of the more recent victims. She had been missing for around six months or so. While this wasn't enough to get Picton for murder, it was more than enough to expand the search warrant from the trailer to the rest of the property. That's where things got interesting, guys. The investigators looked over the property and decided that the most logical place to start would be the slaughterhouse. I mean, of course, right? Where all the butchering happened. They would find piles of women's clothes and jewelry, but other than the rotting carcass of pigs hanging on the hooks, there wasn't much else to be found in the building. Ten days into the investigation, the police came upon the discovery that would allow them to charge Picton in connection with the missing woman or women. They found an orange cushion stained with blood. When they ran a DNA test on that, it came back as a match for Mona Wilson, the most recent missing sex worker. Old Robert Willie Picton was finally in jail for fucking murder. Finally. About fucking time. Yeah. I mean, just piles of women's clothing laying around. I guess nothing unusual yeah. about that. No. You know, in a yeah. slaughterhouse. No big deal. Yeah. We're, yeah. Yeah, I just strip them naked and they just run out in the woods and go home. Yeah, yeah, no big deal. Now, you would think that this case would be about closed. You got a mountain of circumstantial evidence and a little bit of actual physical evidence at the time. Like, they kept sifting through it. We'll get to that. Should be enough, right? Wrong. The investigation was far from over. They continued to search the property. Picked it in custody. They could take their time and dig through everything. And while the detectives back at the jail pressed him for information. They'd not be content with just taking Picton in and interrogating him over and over. They also put an undercover cop in the cell with Willie. He told the pig farmer he had a history of violence and he was being charged with two counts of first-degree murder. He was there to get Picton to open up, and open up he did. It took some time, though. Picton didn't immediately spill his guts to the snitch in his cell. He started by talking about how famous he was and then went on to tell war stories. He went on and on about the parties they had and how much drugs everybody had and how many connections he had. And he wanted to so start talking about how he wanted to play elaborate pranks, like fucking leasing ostriches on the downtown east side or putting on a tuxedo and getting two suitcase fulls of bats and releasing them in, in the fucking 
elevator shafts of nice hotels. At the same time, he was being grilled almost daily by authorities. It wasn't until they showed him the tape testimonies of both Scotty Chubb and Andy Bellwood, along with the DNA evidence, that he started to show some signs of that pressure starting to bust his pipe. This is when Don Adam, lead man of Project Evenhand, stepped in to finish the job. He sat across the table and, in a matter-of-fact tone, looked at Picton and said, Willie, you didn't do a good job of cleaning up those girls' blood. You gotta agree with me. To which Picton replied, that's right, I was sloppy. With those five words, Project Evenhand had what they needed to, for the Crown to build a legitimate case against Picton. That night, when Willie went back to his cell, he really opened up to his cellie. Upon returning, the plant started talking about how he got rid of the bodies, his bodies, by dumping them in the ocean. Willie listened to his cellmate's method of disposal and replied with, I did better than that, a rendering plant. By the end of the night, he confessed the murders of all 49 women to his cellmate. He lamented the fact that he had been caught before he could make it an even 50. He also said that if he went to trial, about 15 people would be going down with him. Another spoiler alert? They fucking didn't. There's a lot of evidence that points to a lot of people being complicit in what Robert Pickton was doing. The women that he had luring, uh, yeah. homeless women and stuff, he had them. Uh, fucking uh, Lynn Ellingsway was another one who was, I mean, she was kind of victimized by Pickton by you know having to watch him butcher that, but she was just as complicit as everybody else. She took payoffs from him. Dave, Dave Pickton was goddamn sure complicit. Uh, there was just a lot of people. Uh, he didn't pull this off by himself, but he damn sure went down by himself. Yeah, because, I mean, money. Ultimately, yeah. you know. Absolutely. Drugs and money. Like, you're not going to snitch on him because he's giving you drugs and money. Mm-hmm. And, they, and Dave, I mean, he's not going to fucking do it because, well. That's his brother. Yeah, he's got to have his brother there so that they can fucking make money. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, back on the farm, an investigator opened up one of the big industrial chest freezers and under a layer of frost, he found two five-gallon buckets. Inside those buckets was a fucking horror show. There were severed human heads, cut in half like the ones discussed before, severed hands and severed feet. Because you can't take those to the rendering plant, and you can't feed the teeth and the hair to the pigs. So he'd stored these and got rid of them elsewhere. Uh, who knows where? After they sifted through bone pits, pig shit, and filth in order to find as many fragments of human remains as possible. While working through this, they found buckets of human remains. Literal five-gallon buckets packed with fucking organs and people pieces. The most gruesome discovery came a little later when investigators came upon two big freezer bags full of ground meat. When it was tested, it came back as pork and human. It gets worse. Willie was a scumfuck piece of shit, but he was also known to be really generous to those around him. There were about 40 or so people who regularly he gave meat to. He also helped a friend of his grind, package, and sell about 300 pounds of meat per month. This meat would be sold to individuals as well as small butcher shops in the area. Again, let that sink in. God. So these people in this town were... Eating pig and human. Yeah, there's a yeah. I don't know if Canadians eat uh, spaghetti, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying. I, like, yeah. You think they eat hamburger helper? It'd be human burger helper. Yeah, yeah, craft dinner. But I guess it was with pork, so I don't know. I mean, even still, shit. You think yeah, that he made it into sausage? I'm sure at some point somebody, somebody fucking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some of that sausage. Oh, God. Human sausage. That takes it to another uh, of eating. Involuntary cannibalism. Yeah, it's fucking... But, but it, I guess you wasn't eating man meat, what? right? <laughs> Sorry. Well, human ribs or human sausage. I mean, I'm going to go with sausage, I guess. Yeah, I reckon. By the time the investigation was coming to a close, they had enough physical evidence to link Picton to 27 murders. You'd think this would be an open and shut case, right? Easy W for the prosecution. Everybody gets to go home early and have a pizza party. That wasn't the case. At the end of the preliminary hearing, they were able to formally charge Picton with 27 counts of first-degree murder, 
Some cases had DNA evidence. Other cases had body parts. And in the case of Mona Wilson that we mentioned earlier, her whole ass severed head was found on the farm. Judge James Williams is a huge part of the reason that this trial was such a clusterfuck. He had a big part in deciding what evidence would be admissible in Picton's trial. This guy was either as lazy as the rest of the VPD or was covering for those lazy pieces of shit. For instance, do you remember the Jane Doe skull that was found in the swamp? The one was cut open like the rest of the heads they found in the pig farm? The one whose rib was found during the investigation? The one that was obviously a fucking victim of Picton? Yeah, he wouldn't allow that into evidence the trial because she was never identified. Wow. No problem, though, right? They still, got, they still got 26 counts. That should be plenty, right? Still pretty much an easy win. Pizza party, here we come. Nope. Judge James, I hate sex workers and want to suck Picton's pig dick Williams, decided that, he, that trying 26 murders would be too costly and complicated. People wouldn't want to deal with all that. Six counts is all he would agree to try. Six. The man killed at least 27 women and probably almost double that. But no, six goddamn counts. They said the other 20 would be tried at a later date. No big deal, though, right? Six counts of murder, another 20 waiting to go to trial. Even with the judge making dumb shit choices on what was admissible, they had plenty of evidence. Keep them pizza ovens warm, boyos. Not a jury in the world would let this cocksucker walk. Except the prosecution couldn't even mention the other 20 murders in court. And with those cases went the evidence attached to them. The evidence pool just got real fucking shallow. Y'all mad yet? Because I sure the fuck am. If you're not, you're about to be. Do y'all remember Sandra Ringwald? The one who uh, reenacted the final chase scene of Texas Chainsaw Massacre with Picton? <laughs> she, got she got away while holding her intestines in? Her testimony wasn't allowed in court because get ready for this shit. She wasn't one of the 27 murder victims. Oh my God. Where did, how did this motherfucker become a judge? Probably money and connections and fucking corruption. Paid off. Yeah. The trial finally got underway in 2007, five years after Picton was arrested. And despite the overwhelming amount of opposition and neglect from the VPD and Judge Cocksucker, Robert Willie Picton was miraculously convicted on all six counts. Fuck yeah, boys. Pizza party time, right? Wrong. He was convicted of six counts of second-degree murder. The deck was so stacked against the prosecution that the defense was able to convince the jury that there was a possibility that old Willie was just a simple pig man who was too dumb to pull this off and couldn't possibly be directly responsible. After that trial was over, DNA experts were able to link another six murders to Picton. This brings the provable body count to 33. So, no big deal, right? We got him cool in his heels in prison, six counts of second-degree murder. He's literally, like, basically doing a life sentence. He's not going anywhere. He's not getting out. Now it's time to get justice for these other 26 provable victims and the other dozen or so as well. Finally, these women would get the justice that they so deeply deserved. I can almost smell the pizza cooking. In 2010 the Canadian Supreme Court decided that they would not try Picton for the other 26 counts. The first trial they surmised was good enough. He was already in jail for the rest of his life. So without so much as a sorry boot that, they told these other 26 women to buck off to save a little money and some man hours. That, and that ends the fucking disgusting case of Robert Willie Picton. The pig farm killer. Wow. If if you consider all this though, you see why he's the way it was. The whole fucking town was fucked up. Women just come up. Yeah, absolutely. The whole city. I mean, you got a judge that's like, eh, we're not gonna include this. She yeah. wasn't murdered, so why would we put her in any evidence in the case? Well, who yeah. let her talk? Is this judge still alive, or has karma got him yet? No, I mean, fuck. This case was twelve years ago. I'm I'm sure he's still sitting on a bench. Seventeen years ago. Oh yeah, it was twelve because it was two thousand seven. God yeah. damn. He was caught in 2002. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What a fucking... Yeah. Just, I hope they revamp the 
Vancouver Police Department. Like, no joke. Like, whoever yeah. the chief of police was there. I mean, that, Vancouver's a big city, right? Yeah, it's one of, like, three major cities in Canada. Yeah. Vancouver, Ontario, and Toronto, correct? Yeah, I think so. So, who? Alberta? I think I think Alberta's yeah. a state. And I, from what I understand, that town is still a shithole. Well, Port- man, look at the police department yeah. you got. Yeah, it's still a big shithole. Wow. But Oh, yeah, the downtown east side is still popping like that. That's so fucking crazy that... And they're just like, yeah, who? We don't need a, a, a what do they say? A closure for the families because they were sex workers. Yeah, yeah. See, and that's where a lot of this, uh, a lot of the neglect in this case really stems from, is the fact that the people that the the women who were missing were either transient uh, drug addicts or you know homeless chicks or sex workers. So therefore, you have these like puritanical uh, police officers and, and judges and shit. Who just don't even see them as humans, which I mean is just fucking disgusting. How is it that through all the pig shit and woman butchering, the most disgusting people in this case were the cops and the judge? Yeah, I mean that's getting power, staying power. I guess is what it's all they wanted. But you never know though. He could have been paying them off. He could have been, you know, having so, them out there at the parties, giving them, you know, whatever. So I no, guess. they just, they didn't give a shit. Uh, it they, yeah, it wasn't just his case they neglected. It was anything that came out of the downtown east side, any missing women, any murders. So I just, uh, they just, yeah, they just didn't give a shit. Uh, well, the city ain't going to do nothing, so we're not going to do nothing. So obviously they don't give yeah. a shit what people think about them or whatever because they're still being shitty, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for another example of a VPD being uh, just neglectful as hell was there's another serial killer and I don't remember his name, but I do remember that uh, what he would do is he would get uh, indigenous women who make up a large uh, part of the population up there, uh, especially in the sex worker uh, population. They, he would get these, uh, well, in Canada, I guess they call them first nations. They would get these, he's take these first nations women and he would force them to drink a bunch of booze until they died of alcohol poisoning and he would just like sit in the room and watch them die. And when they would discover these bodies that were, uh, you know, that fit the MO, they would be like, I can't remember his name. So I'm just going to call him shit face. They'd be like, they'd be like, Oh, these women have been shit faced. And then they'd write it off as an accidental death and fucking throw them in the cooler. Wow. Like, like they knew who was doing it. That's fucking nuts. But, yeah, I guess that's. Well, at least he's in jail. Fucked up people everywhere. Yeah, I did learn one cool thing that I didn't know, and I feel kind of dumb for not knowing. While while we were doing this, is that um, I thought like the Mounties were uh, kind of like those Queen's Guard in in Britain, with the big tall hats and stuff. I thought they were just like a ceremonial thing. Apparently, the Mounties are like the Canadian FBI. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I didn't know that. Well, I didn't know they were like the FBI. I just knew that. I thought took them as like state troopers. That's what yeah, I they're like, they are. They're like a but, I mean, they're a federal federal police oh, wow. organization. Oh. Yeah, that's just super cool. Yeah, that is super cool actually. The hats are neat. Yeah, the fucking that's all you can fucking <laughs> stick on are hats. They wear like a like it's almost like a it's almost like it's not a cowboy hat, but it's a Mm-mm. no, it's like a do the highway patrolmen wear hats like that here? They wear the the big ones with the round bills, all the way around. Yeah, I don't know. I think of it in Australian. I don't. I might be thinking of their hats wrong though. Now that I'm thinking of it, so Jimmy's looking this up. It's taking forever to look this up to show me. Well, I was trying to blow the picture up, but yeah, yeah, that's kind of like what state troopers wear here. I was thinking of a totally different hat though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what the state troopers wore back home too. Yeah, I, I was thinking of a totally different hat. I was thinking of one that was folded to the side for some reason, but that, I think that's military. Got that flat bill, yo. But, uh, yeah, so if uh, you guys, if you guys, ladies, gentlemen, if you all like this kind of podcast and want to hear more, yeah, that's it, yeah. And want to hear more like podcasts like this, just let us know. If, if you enjoyed it, if you didn't enjoy it, let us know that too. You know, whatever. What can we improve on? We're always up for... You know, ideas, own podcasts or anything. You know, should we do another? Yeah, uh, serial killer. 
anything, you know, just whatever. Just interact with us at the Horror Basement Podcast or TN Horror News on Instagram. Um, you know, keep in touch. At Jim Jam here, at the Movie Raccoon for Yeti, and at Johnny Leroy for me. We appreciate you listening to this. this is the first time you ever listen. We got a whole bunch more podcasts you can go lift back to and listen to. So you can start from the beginning and see how shitty we were to how very small that we've improved. <laughs> well, I say this is a big improvement over yeah, way back yeah. then. I, I I think we're gonna try to go uh, kind of this direction from now on in the horror basement. Uh, single topic, research based. Yeah, uh, if this is what you enjoy, let us know. If you don't like it, yeah, let yeah, us know. yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you want us to do movies every once in a while, or just do this. Oh yeah, we'll definitely get back into movies and stuff too. Like, like we'll definitely branch back into like actual like horror movies and stuff. But yeah, we, you just, know. we just had to take a break from them. I mean, come on, I've we're going on five years. How yeah. many horror fucking movies? Oh, there's plenty, but I mean, yeah. how many have we watched? And how many of them were good? Very few, not very, but, but yeah. <laughs> just after four over four years of just watching movies every single week, we had to move into something else, right? Yeah, yeah. A little bit I of mean, different format for us, you know. But like I said, if you enjoy this, let us know. If you don't, let us know. Um, so thanks for listening, guys. And uh, tnhorror.com. Make sure you go check out Rancid Rants and Reviews. Yeti puts a lot of work in that, too. He's put a lot of work into these podcasts lately, too. So we appreciate it. And It's good times. Yeah, fucking good times. So, yeah, that's all we got, y'all. We out. Peace. Live fast. Watch trash. Now it's time to say goodbye to the basement guys again. And we'd like to thank you folks for kindly dropping in. You're all invited back next week to this locality. Have a heaping helping of their hospitality. Or that is spooks and spells. Take your shirt off. Y'all come back now. Here?